Romans, Paul writes to groups of Christians in Rome, uh, meeting in a number of different homes, as so it appears from chapter 16. But apparently what's going on among these groups of uh, Christians is that there's some divisions among them. Some people from a Jewish background see themselves uh, privileged as being part of the Jewish people, uh, entered into covenant with Abraham and with Moses and so on, that we stand in some sort of a privileged place because of, of our background. On the other hand, you've got, it seems to be more numerous followers of Christ in Rome who've come from a, a Gentile background and apparently they are looking down on their brothers and sisters from a Jewish background because they are now more numerous and it seems to be that God is now favoring them. And Paul's working, I think, in Romans to create, a, or to reconcile these people and to create an identity for them that, that transcends their own personal backgrounds. I want to look at some of the fundamental ways in which Paul does this, or one fundamental strategy he uses by drawing upon uh, Christian truth to do so. Now, in chapters 1, 2, and 3 of Romans, I'll, I'll trace the argument basically this way. Paul begins in, um, in chapter 1, verse 18, by speaking in what are general sort of stock J Jewish descriptions of Gentile sin. And you can find this in the Psalms of Solomon. You can find it in the Wisdom of Solomon, writings from the first century BCE and so on. There's places you can go and look at this, but Paul almost seems to be, in chapter 1, quoting uh, the Wisdom of Solomon on this. Gentiles are idolaters, and Gentiles are sexually immoral, and so on and so on, and all that stems from their idolatry. And after quoting these things, he turns in chapter 2 and says, But you're too without excuse. If those people are without excuse, you too who would judge them are without excuse as well. Now he's turning on a Jewish person who would judge these folks. And at this point in the letter, he's going to turn to the Gentiles later. But at this point in the letter, he's turning to say, Jews are just as guilty. And that's going to be this, the, 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 the burden of his argument in chapter 2 of Romans as a people. There's really no distinction. Now we can see this when we get to chapter 3 in the way Paul starts to round together this portion of his argument. Um, verse 9 of chapter 3, what shall we say then? He goes on and says, Jew and Greek are all under sin, under the power of sin. Sin with a uppercase S. Now in a way we're more familiar with it, he says on down in the chapter verse 23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and that all there, in this context in Roman, is Jews and Greek, Jews and Gentiles. It's from a Jewish perspective, that's the way you say everybody. Everybody alike is under sin. Paul's strategy here is to put these people on level ground. Later on, as I said, if he goes after the Jews here, he goes after the Gentiles later. His strategy is we're going to put you all on the same, put you all in the same bucket, different metaphors we can use. We'll put you on the, the same level, that there's really no distinction because sin erases any distinctions between us, which also means that we're only redeemed in the same way as well, by the sheer grace of God found in Jesus Christ. Now, for what Paul's trying to do for these people in Rome, he's saying, look, folks, you got to see each other from a different perspective. The ground is all level, 
at the foot of the cross. And really, when it comes down to it, there are no distinctions. We're all likely under the power of sin, other than Jesus Christ redeeming him with us, redeeming us. But we also have to beware alike of the power of sin that can still influence our life. So he's going to reframe the way these people see each other and then advocate for a new identity in Christ. Now it's interesting today, we may not struggle with the issue in our churches of Jews and Gentiles, but we struggle in our churches with the issues of, um, let's say, Republican and Democrat, rich and poor, um, Baptist and Methodist and Presbyterian and Anglican, and so on and so on. In the place where I lived for many years in Kenya, they struggled in church with the different ethnic groups, with different tribes. And while maybe in North America where I live now, we don't have ethnic tribes, maybe we do in some senses like they did there, but we have ecclesial tribes and we have political tribes along with our somewhat of our ethnic tribes as well. Critical issue I want to beware to make sure that the, the Church of Jesus Christ is aware of is what Paul has to say about sin here, if it does nothing else, should make us profoundly humble about a propensity to put people in boxes. To say, oh, this group is that, or this group is that, and categorize people in these entire groups as if we can throw them into groups, somehow makes that, that makes us better than them. It's merely reduplicating the error that was going on among the churches in Rome in our present day, 2,000 years later, that we still haven't learned from what Paul wrote to the people in the churches in Rome at that time. Understanding that the grounds all level at the foot of the cross should make us humble as Democrats and Republicans, should make us humble as Methodists or Baptists or Pentecostals or whatever ecclesial tribe we want to put on this, should bring us back to the cross and should bring us back to our knees and recognize to just lump people as groups and dismiss them because we're somehow superior, superior is to fly in the face what Paul's saying to the people in Rome and what Paul's doing to the people in Rome. The ground's all level at the foot on the cross. If the church is going to be an answer to our balkanization in our society's natural human tendency because of sin, if we're going to be an answer to that as the people of God, we've got to understand we're all under sin alike. We're all redeemed by the grace of God in Jesus Christ alike.